Podcast. I am Paul, your usual co-host, and Rob is with me as always. What's up, Rob? Hey guys, what's poppin'? And well, in the same room as Rob is Maddie. You might know him under his Instagram tag, Dados. But yeah, Forrest is just Maddie. What's up, Maddie? How are you? Hey there, I'm fine. I hope you guys as well. Greetings from Berlin. Thank you for coming on the show. It's a bit, little bit of a special episode because you are physically with Rob at this moment. Yeah, right. We are sitting next to each other. We're actually sharing headphones. <laughs> <laughs> it's very intimate. It's really, yeah, it's really close, really intimate. <laughs> and the cable is only well, 30 centimeters long, so we're like... <laughs> it's like the scene from um, Lady and the Tramp where they eat the spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, guys, uh, today we'll have a, a good episode with Rob and Maddie just talking about uh, what's up in Berlin and Maddie's point of view on Fix Good Sarah. Just before that, if you want to hear more about our personal life, me going back to Japan, some CNC parts and all that stuff, then you should definitely listen to the pre-show. You can access the extended conversation at patreon.com slash podcast or by subscribing directly on Apple Podcasts. But of course, as always, more on that later. First things first, Maddie, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to have you there. That episode has been a long time in coming. Um, and maybe for the people that don't know you, you can present yourself and how you got into fixed gear, etc. Um, yeah, I'm Maddie um, Matthias uh, from Fix Berlin, basically. Um, I'm working with Rob and a few other guys uh, mainly on, on the Fix Berlin stuff coming up. And uh, yeah, I'm from Berlin and I'm riding Fixke for around seven years, I would say. And uh, yeah, I first need to say um, my father took me for road, ri road biking really early. And I was kind of hooked to um, to riding bikes, and we started to go riding all around Berlin or every road. And then we started to go to the mountains, and was riding mountain bike in the mountains. But at some point, I just got kind of bored of it and stopped riding bikes at all. And um, mm -hmm. then I was in school and switched the schools at one point, and I came to a new school. And all of the cool kids was riding these weird bikes. And I was like, hey, what, what's that? <laughs> and I, I didn't really realize what it, it, what it was. It was just seeing them the first days and was like, okay, cool. And then I was uh, walking one day um, to, to my home. And there's like one street which makes, which makes a super crazy curve. And I was walking down the street and someone blasted down the street on his fixed gear and was skidding the whole, whole curve. And I was like, whoa, what the fuck is this guy doing there? <laughs> and I was like, I, I didn't realize what's going on. I just was like, whoa, I, I need to figure out what this is. And then uh, when I yeah, got more in touch with the guys in school, I just was realizing that this was the same kind of bike which the guy on the street was riding. And uh, yeah, then all that shit started. <laughs> Since then, I'm super addicted and just got into it. Damn, that's some like movie kind of shit. 
Revelation like, <laughs> from a stranger, and you're like, oh, this is my new life now. <laughs> like a like a slow motion scene where like the kid comes exactly. of age and, like, and he sees this dude just like dressed epic, just skids around the corner. <laughs> I want that. I want that. <laughs> that day he didn't know, but a legend was born. <laughs> oh man, what's that Japanese comic? Oh, anyway, carry on. I'll think of it. I'll, I'll ask you later. <laughs> Uh, but okay, so yeah, got into Fix Gear by just randomly meeting people out there and wanted in 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 the cool kids crew. That's yeah, that's pretty sure. cool. Yeah, and then yeah, I just was then starting to save every Fix Gear picture I could find on my phone and was looking for the perfect bike and made a weird road bike conversion, which I still have, but it was so shit. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, uh, quite funny side note, I would say, uh, the first picture which I saved from a fixed gear on my phone was a Cannondale Trek. And this is how I really got into Cannondale Treks. And that's why I'm kind of so addicted to Cannondale Treks because I was in school, saved that picture. And the next break, I was running to my friend and was like, oh man, what a bike is that? What's that? What's that? And he's like, oh yeah, the Cannondale Trek, forget about that shit. And I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy that that bike got uh, so many people into fixed gear. There yeah. must be like some kind of mathematical balance that just like triggers your brain into, oh my God, this is beautiful, you know? Yeah. Like the golden number of or pi or something like that. How did you, when did you first come across the Cannondale track ball? Like, did you, was it one of your early inspirations into track riding? Um, well, I got, I got into fixed gear pretty early on and, uh, but I was not really looking online and searching and I was just like, oh yeah, this is a fixed gear. This is great. And I was not either into mm -hmm. like the community and everything. I was just, oh, it's a really, really good mean to go from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and you can do like funny things with it. And then and then I started really getting into like researching and the history of fixed gear. And I was like, oh my God, this is all of this is pretty cool. But I was still not thinking that much about it. Then I arrived into Japan and I was so much into NGS. I was like, wow, NGS is the shit. Like that is so nice. <laughs> Everything is like so minimal, but yet so you know, like built to last. And, and then I, because I was in Japan, I was like, wait, all my friends have NGS bikes. All the people around me have NGS bikes apart from some other people that had like, and that was like, in the group of cool kids, the cooler kids were the <laughs> ones that were not riding Japanese bikes, but American bikes. And I was like, oh, man, what is what is that? And start researching about every possible American bike I could find. So the GT, the Candle track and everything. And when I saw the Candle track, I was like, wow, OK, that is beautiful. And of course, I stumble upon like... Um, Amy Danger's, Amy um, Danger, yeah. 
uh, pictures and I was like, holy shit, that, that is so nice. And yeah, like started researching and, you know, like putting like alerts on eBay. <laughs> and there, there was <laughs> still the time where, yeah, that's the time where you, there were still candle tracks on eBay constantly, you know, they were rolling through and, and yeah, like, and I think um, there was that guy on Instagram at the time, Eric's son. Mm, uh, from all, he had um, a green candle track with a zip disc at the back and a, and a 440 in the front. You know my, um, my candle track with the same green zip in the back? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's inspired from him, definitely. <laughs> and, and I was like, and he got a green candle track and started writing it around it and yeah he repainted it and he posted like a lot of content on it mm. and one day i was in the train and i was like that's it i'm getting one for myself <laughs> and and yeah i contacted amy and i was like uh i uh you seems like you have a lot would you like to sell one to me <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little bit and it's like yeah sure uh, i'll sell you that one and I remember trying to transfer the money via PayPal and my PayPal going, nope, that is way too much money. Um, <laughs> even if that was not that much, like my PayPal was like, nope, dude, you, you're done. <laughs> and, and because I didn't want her to wait, I was like, um, okay, I'm going to ask someone else. And I went to the bike shop next to my place. I was really friend with the that. boss. And I give him cash money and like, can you PayPal that to that woman? He was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so so yeah, your first candy went. came from Amy? Yeah. I didn't realize that. I'm really happy with that bike. I'm really miss that's it. Insane. <laughs> that's insane. It's a crazy story. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we are definitely not here to talk about me. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a quick question for Matty. <laughs> Is it true that you once had three Gallandale tracks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> there was this point. <laughs> how did you get three and why did you get three? Sorry, yeah, that's my question. Yeah, it's uh, like quite hilarious because... Uh, <laughs> fuck you, Rob. <laughs> um, uh, I was... Uh, the first Gallandale which came to me, I, I found it on eBay basically in Germany and... Uh, it was in 10 of 10 condition. The guy just uh, was given it from his aunt, 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 mm -hmm. um, because the aunt was bringing it uh, in the 90s to to Germany when he was in America, but uh, he never put it out, got it out of the box, so it was brand new. And the young guy just got it, got the box from from his aunt, and put, picked it out like five years ago to the time when I bought it five years ago. Um, and yeah, he was riding it for a while, but then he wanted a, a frame on, on his body measurements and was selling it. And I, to the time, had a bad, bad, bad car crash. A woman hit me in in the middle of the rain with my La Piofra. I was riding and uh, she hit me really hard and I was flying some meters through the air and uh, hit it a box for energy. I don't know how you call them. They electricity are, box. Electricity box next to the oh, street. shit. And I was like flying against this box and uh, my, my shoulder was kind of broken. 
uh, and I was like, yeah, I, my collarbone was broken. I was like, <laughs> I didn't realize that. I was like, yeah, I just jump on my bike and keep riding. And the guys was like, no, you don't look so good. And my <laughs> collarbone was <laughs> completely gone afterwards. And yeah, then I was just getting into hospital and I knew I going to get some money from that woman. <laughs> so I started researching <laughs> on eBay and just found a 10 day track while I was in hospital. I contacted the guy who's like, I come over. He's in a different city. And I was like, yeah, I definitely come and get this candle. It's a 61 though, way too big for me. <laughs> But I just uh, was, was driving there with my mom to collect it and was bringing it back to Berlin. And uh, yeah, this is how I came to the first Cannondale track. And then I was so addicted. Uh, and uh, yeah, every time when something popped up, I, I just couldn't say no proper because yeah, I always when something in Germany popped up, I was like, okay, I need to get that because uh, I don't want to import anything from anywhere. Uh, because if you yeah. need to pay taxes of, on them, if you get them from America or something like that, that's like... Pfft mind-blowing i mean the price for them already is mind-blowing but then the taxes on top is like no no sorry and yeah the point was that my super my first cannondale has was in perfect condition and every time when i took it out on the street it got small dense uh, a bit and i was like no i can't ride this and um <laughs> So I was searching for something similar, which I can write on daily basis or could write on daily basis. And I first bought a Kendo, a Kendo orbit frame, but um, the, replica the replica version of Kendo just somewhere from Asia. I don't know exactly where they are located. Um, I think they are in Korea. Korea. Or in Taiwan, mm. I don't remember. I think it's Taiwan. Mm. Yeah. But I'm I'm not 100 sure. Um and they just uh, that was a stupid story. They just sent it to me and I was writing emails with them and I just sent it an email and said at the end regards Matthias. And then they sent me the frame and addressed it to regards Matthias. <laughs> and I was like, the frame never <laughs> arrived. <laughs> and then went back, back to Taiwan. And I was like, guys, the frame never arrived. I was in every <laughs> shop around my corner. I was looking for it everywhere. Uh, and they's like, yeah, can you, uh, the frame is back in Taiwan. Can you uh, confirm the shipping address again? And I was like, guys, I'm not called Regards. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> and then they was like... <laughs> So you actually, actually had to tell them, I'm not called Regards. Yeah. My name is Matthias. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, just a stupid story. And so then you never they, got the cannon, you never got the replica. Yeah, I got it. They shipped ah. it again. They shipped it again. And they was like, yeah, we ship it about this different shipping method because it's cheaper. And I was like, okay, yeah, just ship it there. And it was sea shipping. So it took months. And uh, in this month, <laughs> in these months, I was just finding uh, the actual candle track, which I'm riding right now, uh, a 58. Uh, I was finding it in Finland and uh, the guy was uh, selling it complete with complete titanium parts and stuff for a really cheap price because the frame was super fucked already. And I was like, yeah, that's fine for me. I want to fuck it more. So I want to ride it daily on the bay on the street. And that's exactly what I was searching. And then I got this uh, second candle track actually earlier than my orbit. <laughs> so the candle arrived afterwards and the candle was so shit. It's so flexing. I, 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 yeah, when you ever was riding a candle track once and then get on the candle, you'll be like, what the fuck is this shit? Because the candle track is super stiff and the candle was just flexing so heavily and it was so wobbly. It wasn't nice to ride at all. 
and then I just yeah. sold it. So yeah, you no. just sold the candle to someone. Here's, yeah. here. <laughs> Here's a great frame. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, it's actually quite nice. <laughs> it no. just looks like a candle. <laughs> it's almost the same thing. I think if if you never was riding a candle track, then the candle might be fine. But if you you want to replace or want to yeah if you have a candle track and want to ride the same just on daily base the candle is just not satisfying at all mm. yeah and the third that, one that bike is just special <laughs> fuck you rob yeah the third one was just a point uh, i was finding it again on ebay here in germany and it was in munich and i was at my cousin to this time and i was like oh fuck there's another candle and the funny thing is, uh, the first one was a 61, the second one was a, a 58, and the third one was a 56. So it's like kind of all necessary steps of sizes you kind of could, <laughs> yeah, <that really. laughs> kind of could need. You need the small, medium, and large. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, I was like to my cousin, I was like, should I buy it? Should I buy it? And he's like, you fucking dumbass. No, you shouldn't. You have already two of them. And yeah, definitely I bought it. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> that is how I came to my three Canada tracks. But I sold one, so I'm just having two anymore. I also had two at some point for yeah, a really short period of time, like hours. Hours? Hours? Yeah, hours. Did you took some pictures together at least? I think I have one picture in my in my kitchen or something like that, but nice. no, not that much. But yeah, I had one. Uh, I found one on eBay for like really cheap and uh got got it imported into japan what the, the good thing in japan is like you really really rarely have import taxes so you could import anything and not be taxed um which really? is nice. really nice so i import it and then i sent a picture to my friends like oh look we just arrived and it was like are you fucking joking is it uh, are you kidding me i'm like no i i got this for for pretty cheap and he was living like i don't know like two blocks around the corner he's like can i come right now and it's like yeah sure he comes and it's like well i want this now <laughs> <laughs> and and like nice guy is a really really good friend and he was like oh man like how much you paid it and it's like oh that much it's like okay I give you the exact same amount of money uh, plus shipping. It's like, yeah, that work. So I uh, I had it for about five hours. Amazing, crazy. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> but I wonder but, if that's the shortest time anyone's owned a Cannondale track in history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's nice that you gave it to your friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, like he he really wanted it, and he was probably gonna write it more than I would because I already have one. So it's like, mm. yeah, sure, you know, and, and that works for me. Yeah. Yeah, but good. there is like some frames like that that I only own for a really really short period of time. I had like a a low poor suite from 2012, like with Andrew Lowe signature on it and everything. The classic colorway was the raw aluminium and the black low logo on the mm. on the down tube. Yeah. I was so excited about that bike, you know, I was like really, really pumped. Bought it, ride it for three days. And you know that was the, the really low pro version? Mm -hmm. And I was like, nah, 
my bike, my back is not gonna like that. And yeah, I also had a friend that wanted it. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll just sell it to you for ex the exact same price again. <laughs> I am not making any money out of this. <laughs> yeah, but it's like Matty says, I think it's really nice to pass frames on to people that you know are gonna ride them, your friends. Yeah, it's kind of worth it just for that. Yeah, true that. True that. It's yeah. nice to see them ride them, you know. Yeah, I but, have a big problem to let bikes pass. Yeah, Matty doesn't let bikes I, pass. I, I, I sold probably I sold two frames I ever owned. I sold two of them, but the rest is still yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. In the past, well, I used to get rid of bikes super quick, like sell them on. But now I don't know. I don't think I well. I don't think I could sell any of my bikes. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, right? I think uh, me too. Right now, like ninety nine percent of my bikes are bikes I want to keep kind of forever. Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's really hard but coming back on to you yes. matthias um so you are part of uh fixed gear berlin um so how would you describe fixed gear berlin is it more a crew a shop a community everything at once like what is what is the definition of fixed gear berlin if there is one that's a super good question uh, heavy to answer because the fixed Berlin is always kind of in changes and it's definitely, I mean, also I need to say I didn't start at fixed Berlin. So fixed Berlin was founded and started from other people's and I just joined the night ride to that time. It was just a night ride, which happens every week. And I joined it and I was super motivated and young and I wanted to do my own thing as well. That was basically the name chain reaction was, was planned for that. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, then the guys from Fix Berlin was like, yeah, here are not so many motivated people. Why do you don't join? And I was like, okay, I would like to join, but, uh, I'm pretty straightforward in my thoughts. So, uh, yeah, I, I direct, would, I direct is the best way to say it. So I would do it, but I do it my way. And uh, then they said, yeah, okay, just jump on it and, and let's see what, what, where it is going to. And uh, yeah, this is how everything started. And then it just grew in, in terms of a community. We just was hanging around all the time. And in the early times of Fixed Berlin, we were super focused on, on racing. So we never would had tricks or something. We mainly was like really going fast and training four to five times a week to, to go to the grid races and compete there and ride against other riders. This is why I, I also have so much carbon stuff because I was really a long time into racing and I just got hooked mm -hmm. by, by nice bikes looking fast. And um, then over the time, uh, this idea started to grow in myself that I would like to, to open a bike shop or something like that. And then it got more into the direction of a company. Uh, then we was uh, focusing way more on social media, on Instagram. I mean, I was 18 to that time, so I didn't have any any idea of anything. So I, I shooted pictures on my phone and, yeah, no videos, no nothing. And it was uh, a long learn process. And this is also how Fix Berlin changed, it, changed over the years all the time through because... Yeah, long time. It was a big, big, huge community just hanging out, riding for races. Then at one point we was done kind of with the, with the race community because they wasn't so friendly to us. And we was like, okay, we don't need to compete there if, if it's not fun. And then we really got hooked into trick riding. 
and uh, always had this idea in our mind to to um, yeah grow a business out of it and then try to to work in that area because it was our dream or and yeah then actually when we visited you guys last time in Paris last year September last year yeah that was the point where it was like okay we need to get this shit done now and uh, since then it's like really focused on on work base since since last year yeah since we was in paris we are really focused on on uh, getting this stuff more into a business direction as well i think we've moved uh, more from a community to a crew to a brand this last year And it's also super nice to see at the minute because uh, this is actually a dream I had over the last couple of years because um, I was super lots I was doing super lot stuff here in Berlin I was putting out uh, night rides and I, I always every day was on the street riding and gave had a big WhatsApp group where I wrote in and people was like could come around every day there was always a spot where they could come and this was how the community grow. But for me, it was also hard work to, to let this community grow because I always needed to be there and show, show up. And I was dreaming about other crews happening in Berlin and, and people doing their own stuff and also organizing events. And this is what happened then in the last year. Since we focused a bit more on, on our business side, um, many other people came up with uh, own events and, and started to organize stuff. And the scene was is about to organize themselves a bit more. And we are really happy to to see that, and we are really looking forward to push the other peoples as well in everything in that. But what also doesn't mean that we don't want to do any events anymore. It, it just means we we uh, will look out for the right time to do our events, and our events will be a bit more planned and a bit uh, yeah, well, a bit more thought of. Um, but yeah, this is kind of what I would say about Fix Berlin. Very good. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good definition right there. Mm -hmm. um and so like you 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 told me that you didn't start it fixed gear billion right it started be before you yeah i was like on the second night ride of fixed berlin i started to join but uh, mm -hmm. still there i wasn't a big part of it i was a newbie in the scene and yeah then like a half year year later on i was really joining in kind of so that was like what like seven years ago Mm, yeah it was 2017 2017 all right yeah um so now if everybody out there was still thinking what the hell is fixed gear berlin well now you kind of know <laughs> you kind of know what it is for everyone out there who is um Uh, shooting bikes, riding bikes, d doing their footage. I just wanted to ask Matty a bit more about like self-taught photographer, editor, filming. It's it's a hard thing to learn on your own, but actually possible. It's just, yeah, if you can just tell us a little bit more about also your style of bike shots are quite specific and unique to what I see on Instagram and what influenced me to approach Fix Berlin in the beginning was the style of shooting that you did. You went from, I sorry, I'll let you say it, but yeah, I would just, if you can let the listeners know a little bit more about your, your way you taught yourself and your style. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it was a quite, um, 
yeah, as I said, it was a learn process. I started to to shoot on iPhone or on my phones basically because I didn't had any camera. I didn't had any idea about shooting or anything, especially editing or something. In the beginning, I didn't edit edited any picture because I I had the thought in my mind. I always that's quite a funny story because I was every day searching hashtag Kendall Drake. Every fucking day I was on this hashtag to find Kendall Drake frames. And always uh, when I didn't have a frame, I couldn't find out what the color actually looks like because in every picture they look different. And I, I didn't mm. have original frames, so I couldn't say how the color is really looking. And I was so pissed off about people. Sorry when I'm always using these bad words. <laughs> uh, but I was uh, really angry that uh, people was using um, so many filters on their Kendale Drag pictures because I couldn't say what which one has has the filter on, which one not, which is the original color. And this was the reason why I never edited pictures in the beginning. I, I always wanted to have them looking true every every picture I, I was uploading. And I always just had friends with cameras and needed them to ask to come around to shoot bikes with us. And it was always a ball act. And um, yeah, this is then the point where I at one point just bought my own camera and um, anyhow, I found into Lightroom and uh, started to shoot better quality stuff. And um, then I was watching a really interesting uh, YouTube video where someone was telling, that's a big point where I would say for everyone who's who's willing to learn anything, YouTube is your, your goal. YouTube is the point where you can learn everything. Every knowledge you want to learn, it is there. You just need to type in the words, whatever you want to learn, and you will find any, any video about everything. This is how I learned shooting. This is how I learned editing the pictures. This is how I learned video video stuff uh, dealing with cameras or with my gears or whatever it's like all there you just need to use it and uh, learn it and um, yeah for sure if you look on my pictures uh, usually I'm <laughs> we are trying to change that at the minute a bit because I'm pretty stuck in my in my way to shoot because I'm usually just using a long background view and put the bike somewhere where you really have a long view in the background and um uh, yeah, this was the the beginning. I watched a YouTube video and I saw a guy telling that some of the old lenses, which are super cheap on eBay, really do great quality pictures. And I also realized that when you have a long lens, you get really the um, unshapeness and sh shapeness shallow depth of field. Yeah. yeah, in 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 the pictures, like. And I mm -hmm. bought myself a hundred thirty millimeter size objective objective like an um, old russian one or something wasn't it yeah like, it was uh, a ddr one yeah, yeah it was really old old stuff and i put it to, to my sony a6000 to that time and that that thing was performing better than everything else which i had so far every objective i had before and still still till we was in paris last year we was shooting on that lens and that camera and that camera and it was uh, really that wasn't wasn't a expensive setup it's the really cheap setup mm -hmm. kind of for for that the pictures how they turned out and um, this is how i kind of got into shooting and started to shoot my stuff probably I don't know if that is answering your yeah, question. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah, absolutely. No, it's really good, I think, for people to know that um, you just took a camera, figured it out, and uh, yeah, you grew from that as well. And you can see your progression in the style of photos. The style, every video gets better, and it has been getting better since since the start. I think so. It's yeah, it's a good answer.
my my main influence was for sure Amy Danger. When when you look at my pictures, this whole long view thing is definitely copied from Amy Danger. Like her long views. It's I crazy mean, she's that really... she influenced so many people. So yeah. many people. It's really crazy. Man. I don't think there's a podcast that goes on where Amy's name doesn't get yeah. mentioned in some kind of positive influence. So thank you, Amy, for everything. <laughs> yeah, I was just listening to the podcast with Amy Danger, and it was it was so nice to listen to that podcast and hear her voice and her yeah. opinions and and yeah it was really nice to, to listen to it yeah no definitely uh she's i mean i was really really happy to to have her on the podcast when i started the podcast with fab you know like one of the main goal at some point was to have amy somewhere mm. uh in, in there and like I remember asking her, like, "Hey, um, I have a podcast or friend? Would you like to be part of it?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, sure." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is actually happening!" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, really, it's it's crazy that she she influenced so many people and in a really really good way. Yeah, I would say I, I learned all of my bike shots from her. Basically, it's really yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the, um, and yeah, if, if you're out there and you want to learn more about bike photography, uh, there is many, many tutorials online and getting inspired, um, getting inspired by someone on Instagram or, you know, like, don't be afraid at the beginning to like replicate shots, like doing yeah. something really, really similar, because that's how you learn. And then after that, everything is a replica. Yeah, yeah. After that, you'll develop your own shoot style, I guess. Everyone is getting inspired some somewhere, so it's not bad to get inspired somewhere. It's it's really a good process that you you are looking for inspiration, basically. Yeah, definitely. Um. So yeah, if anyone goes to today or tomorrow onto your account, um, it's easy to see that your content is really trick. Uh, Tark focused, um, but do you also do different kind of cycling like velodrome or track lacrosse or any of those kind of stuff, or it is mainly trick? Um, I mean, basically, um, as I said before, I started with riding fast. I never was tricking in the first three years. I think I was, as you said as well, uh, I was able to do efficient chips, but nothing else. And that for a long time, because, yeah, the fish and chips, I just figured out somehow. But uh, then I was not looking for other tricks. I was seeing the trick stuff from America, but I was like, oh, that stuff is impossible. You don't need even to try it. You, you will never learn that stuff. And I just was focused on riding fast and built crit, crit bikes. And we made a crit racing team and um, was having own fixed Berlin shirts and jerseys for the crit races. But then there was the point where, where we really was uh, into it and training hard to be part of the scene. And everyone in the scene, uh, sorry if they, I say that like that, but everyone was a dick. They all was like, we don't chill afterwards. We don't make party. We just want here to, to be the fastest one. And Schindlhauer guys don't talk to eight bar guys. And that was like a point where I was like, why is the scene so, so 
competitive? Why is no one open to talk to each other and just have fun together? Because it is not a bro scene and they made it to a bro scene. Here in Germany, they got sponsors from Adidas and everywhere and really got bro riders from the road bike scene into grid racing. And uh, for us as a usual daily rider, Even when we trained five times a week, in, in, if we was competing in, in A races, it was nearly impossible to be at the front. And if we uh, wanted to, to be somewhere in the front and fight for uh, podium places or something, we needed to go to B races. And yeah, at some point we just lost the interest in that because we, we really spent a lot of time in training and, and we just got unfriendly answers from the guys if we asked them something and it was it was just not nice and that was the point where we just was like okay then we create our own scene somehow and this is mm -hmm. how we then get it got into tricking because we was hanging around a lot with our guys and um in in the first summer when we started to trick i don't know exactly which year it was but in the first summer uh, when we started to trick some young guys joined our fixed berlin group and they was two, three years younger than I, I am. And they did a kill spin. And I was like, what the fuck? How can they do a kill spin? And I just <laughs> saw the videos on on, on, uh, on YouTube from America. And it's like, no way I can do this. And then I saw these kids doing a, a kill spin. And I was like, okay, if, if they can do that, I can do that too. <laughs> and uh, this was kind of the point where we really got into tricking. And uh, then we was like, for two, three years, I was just out there every day tricking i i was studying to that time but uh, i was just out there tricking every day every every day i was riding 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 to get better and better and better yeah and uh since then it's mainly focused on on tricking but uh, since we um, started to work a bit more into fixed berlin we are also getting a bit slower in there because uh, tricking is a hard point for your body because i mean riding fixed gears also some point where some people say it's not so good for your knees and yeah. riding tricks on a track bike is even worse for your knees and uh, yeah there is a point where you really also need to watch out for your body because i think you want to ride that way as long as possible and for your life i want to do that and um That's why I also need to have break times in between where I'm not riding so hardly and, uh, yeah, give my body a bit of rest. And that's why I'm stepping back there at the minute as well a bit. So I'm not riding everyday tracking anymore, but uh, every time when I do it, I really, really enjoy it. It's, it's just an amazing feeling to, to spin around. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely get that. I feel that tricking especially in a fixed gear when you fall from if you fall you fall from really high mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. compared to a bmx or you know like something that you are not in in the straps i know i know how hard bmx can be on your body too especially when you try to i don't know, like do a tail whip and it comes back into your ankles and you're like okay i'd rather die now but <laughs> but yeah no tricking is definitely hard on your body but it's it's interesting that you have that point in common with rob where both of you you were like oh yeah tricking looks really good and then at some point every day you were out there absolutely every day and and yeah you end up with like a really really high level um i i train for tricking like probably i don't know like three times a year <laughs> 
<laughs> and, that, and that's all I can do, like a keel and maybe a big spin. But that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think it comes down to um, where your mindset is at the time and what you're focused on at the time for tricking over this last couple of years. Yeah, for me, it's been really important for me to focus on something that I could progress in. And feeling this, the progression was, was helping me in general. Um, but now there's other things at the moment to focus on, um, more, not more important, but uh, other things in life to, to, to focus on business and, and whatnot and, and moving forward in those things. So, yeah, I think I agree with Matty as well. Sometimes you have to take some rest and look after your mental and physical health at the same time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just uh, shortly want to say since since Rob came to Berlin and since Rob uh, arrived here in Berlin, that was really, really a big step forward for me or for us, I would say, because um, I was searching for years for someone who is uh, the same passion than I am for the whole topic and as well for writing for tricks, tricks for sure. And then Rob, I found a person which is willing to really push that stuff forward and is really motivated for everything. And as I said, I was looking for someone like this for, for ages and I found it in Rob and I'm really happy and thankful that Rob is here in Berlin to I'm smash it. I'm happy to be here too. It's been a <laughs> life-changing experience moving to Berlin and yeah, I wouldn't change it. It's been epic. The spaghetti is getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, sexual um, tension on that podcast is way too high. <laughs> Especially when we're sharing a headphone. <laughs> I will slightly change the topic and ask you a question. Um, do you have a favorite bike? Yeah, because we oh, know you like the Candle track a lot, but is there anything apart from that that is your favorite bike? Yeah, oh no, that's making it hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely uh, the ten day track is, is is my heart. There's no other bike still which which would catch me like this. Um I guess that's a yeah. But beside of that no, there's there's no favorite because I I see in every bike something super special in which I have. I mean I have for example the FES which is just a fucking beast and i just need to look at it and it blows my mind every day the last days, the last, I, few days yeah. the last few days i was riding into rob's room all the time on the fes and was like hello rob and rob's like what the <laughs> fuck are you doing with the bike here <laughs> and uh, yeah this bike is just blowing my mind but also uh, i i have my uh, very first proper fixed gear bike which is the blb la piovra and I still uh -huh. have it in my room. It's it, it has been ridden so heavily over the first two years when I was riding fixed gear. And this bike is not looking nice. <laughs> it's scratched everywhere and there's dents everywhere. But every time when I jump on it, I feel more home than on every other bike. It, it is really, I, I always call it a scalp on wheels because it's so... I just know exactly how I need to handle it in every corner. And uh, yeah, this is what is with all of my bikes. My Pilisoli was the birthday birthday present of my family to my 18th birthday. And uh, yeah, it's wow. just a dream, dream in there coming true as well. And um, this, uh, yeah, I could tell a story about every of my bikes. Every bike basically has a really deep story where I'm really deep in love and, uh, and can say that's why why I love this bike so so much. Your family got you a Pelizzoli for your birthday. 
Yeah, I mean, I was asking for it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I thought, yeah, I they, thought they were yeah. just like, oh, yeah, we'll order him a Pilizzoli. Imagine. No, no, that that was certainly not that the That would case. be like dream family material. Yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. But I could imagine that, that they would do it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it can be a dad like that. We'll see. <laughs> I really, really don't want kids at the moment, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so you or do you, would you say you're more often aluminium guy then than a steel bike or steel is fine Definitely. too? And you also ride steel frames. I also ride steel frames, but uh, I always have this sentence in my head: uh, steel is real, but aluminium is fucking light, and that's the point. <laughs> I, I love it that the bikes are so light. I mean, uh, yeah, still, I, I'm having the mesh still and I'm having a drift bike from Volume Cutter, the, the Volume Cutter uh, as well from Out of Steel, those are, and the Russian Sport, yeah, but um, yeah, the rest of all the bikes are aluminum and I really, really like that they are so light and fast and I really like the fat tubings and that stuff, that's uh, just my taste. I just like modern bikes. I'm not into classic bikes so much. But mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm more into the modern oversized tubings and the badass look than some four spokes, five spokes, 90s or carbon stuff. And I really, that's how I got into Fixkey because I like that stuff. And the Kendall track is for me the perfect thing in between. It has these oversized tubings, but still this one inch fork. And it looks very modern for, for the time when it got built. And for me, it mm -hmm. is... Um, Yeah, it prepared the way for the modern bikes. And that's why I love this bike so much, because it was the jump in the right direction out of my perspective of taste. Damn, that's a great explanation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, he, he gave me that full talk when I first arrived. And I was like, what is it about the Cannondale track? Because I didn't know what really one was. I'd never really researched bikes that much. And I just rode them and I was into old steel bikes. And then I was like, why does everyone love this Cannondale track? It's a little bit ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Rob didn't like it at all. He's like, I don't like it. I don't like it. And then Matty explained the whole uh, evolution of aluminium, oversized tubing. And yeah, I, I appreciate it for what it is, but it's definitely not my favorite bike. <laughs> Rob seeing a Cannondale track for the first time. Why is it so fat? <laughs> must be happy you don't know yeah. I, I so many i saw, saw people which are not really into bikes and i turned up with my cannondale track and they's like why do you have such an ugly old fork on such a modern bike you need to put in a carbon fork into that <laughs> and it's like no what's wrong with you guys <laughs> yeah it's, if you don't know though. yeah if you don't know you yeah, yeah. exactly Well, maybe one last question on uh, your gears and everything. Um, if uh, anyone listeners goes on to Maddie's Instagram, you will see that uh, Maddie's rides almost exclusively on zips. Is there also a story behind that or is it just random coincidence? I don't think it's a coincidence, but maybe you can tell a bit more about that. 
I don't know. I, I think this question is coming back to you, Paul. <laughs> well, um, you have like, I, I, like everybody knows now that I am like the biggest zip fine boy. Maybe not the biggest, but I'm I'm a big zip fine boy. But it's nice that there is another one, you know. So. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just need to say, as as you said in the last, uh, I don't know which episode it was, uh, when you said um, these uh, three logos destroyed your life. <laughs> I think uh, that's it. When those three logos are spinning, I'm I'm just yeah. You got me. You got me directly. Uh, I always loved that wheels, and I always saw them on road bikes and everything, and I was like deeply in love with them. And, um, yeah, then at one point I was just looking out for nice wheels, which are not, um, not carbon, but look really fast and, and outstanding. And I don't want a deep wheels. So I was like coming across the zip thirties. And I think actually it was to the same time when you got your first pair, because I remember that I bought them and had them here and I already bought my mesh steel to that time. Mm -hmm. And like two weeks before I was done with my build, you posted pictures of your new steel frame with a, a mesh steel with the zip 30s. And I was like having both parts here, my steel frame and my zip 30s. And I was like, oh no, he fucking did it before I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Paul gonna be so pissed if I do that two weeks later on and build the same bike kind of. And uh, yeah, that was uh, basically where I really got my first, not, not my first zips. Yeah, actually I need to say it was, it's again a Kendall track story because as you mentioned before, um, Ericsson had this green yeah. Cannondale track with the zip, um, 950 in the back and the zip 440, I guess. Yeah. Four, um, four, oh, yeah. The, the green one in the front. And, um, I just saw that bike and I was, I was, yeah, mind blown. I loved it. And, um, at one point I just found this, this wheel with the matching front wheel, the 440, on eBay um, for like 500 bucks. And um, I was like, I need this. And, but I was on, on the day I was in a car on the way to Spain and it just appeared uh, here in Berlin for sale. And I was like, Oh shit, because zip is the only brand where you can convert the disc wheels. So you can ride them as a road wheel and as a track wheel. I don't think, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the only brand, but they, since ever they do it, that you can convert them. And I knew that and I was like, okay, whatever disc this is, if it's marked as a road disc or whatever, I can use it as a track disc as well. And so I sent a friend of mine over to just collect it <laughs> and he just collected <laughs> it and uh, I built it into my Cannondale track and was yeah just mind blown by, by, by the style of, of this logo and everything. And, um, then I got my zip thirties and, uh, yeah, as I'm riding them really hard and I'm tricking them really hard. The, my first pair was a 24 hole set. So jumping one eighties, jumping one eighties down from something on, on 24 spokes isn't the best, but, uh, yeah. I was like, fuck it. I, I just need to do that. And, uh, then I was riding them hard and they really look as well, like getting ridden hard. And then it was the point that I met you guys in Paris and we destroyed your wheel set. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How could you forget that? I'll never forget that until the day I die. 
Yeah, and that was the point where Zip got in contact with me and was like, "Hey, dude, we saw some something got broken there, and we want to keep you shredding. So here are some new pairs to shred." And this is basically how it came that I'm riding the Zip wheels on nearly every bike because they look like ellipse just in way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best sentence they look like ellipse but just way cooler yeah definitely they they have the same look but man they are smashing the ellipse so hardly <laughs> yeah really like that <laughs> there's there i i don't know i had this once there's like a chinelli guy uh he he had ellipse and i saw him on the red lights and he's like oh another guy with ellipse and i just stopped next to him and he's like and I saw his mouth going up and he's like, oh shit, it's not ellipse. And I was like, hey, zip. yeah, it's it, bro. <laughs> because I, as I said, I'm coming from riding fast and I was, I was loving carbon and I loved the look of carbon and I always needed to have a bike which is not looking like a trick bike because I don't like when bikes look like trick bikes and, and ugly and black normal wheels and stuff. I mean, I come from riding fast bikes and I really like the look of fast bikes. And for me, it's like a wolf in a in a cheap, uh, how you say, skin or something. Mm, when the yeah. bike is looking really like a really fast bike and then you pop a 180 out of that and everyone around you thinks like, oh, this guy is just going his 150 kilometer km rides or something. And then... No. And then you jump a 180 out on, on, on this fucking fast bike and they'd be like, what the fuck is this guy doing? This is for me, yeah, the point where I really was looking out for fast, nice aluminum rims. And that was where I came across the Zip 30s. And I think that's why mm. I like them so much. Yeah. Damn, there's definitely a trend in that podcast. Like I feel every episode we're either talking about Candle Track, Zip or both. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely everybody out there was a countdown track and a pair of zips send us pictures um and uh i don't know we'll we'll, we'll send you a t-shirt even if we don't have one yet uh, are we gonna do t-shirts i don't know if we're gonna do a t-shirt probably probably not yeah. anytime soon we should do t-shirts you should do t-shirts for sure probably well I'm with, a with the candle track and the zip 30 on it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I really, I really want to have like the the Zip engineers or I don't know, people from the Zip factory on that podcast because they probably don't know how much we're talking about them. No, but, <laughs> but I think they'd appreciate it if they knew. Yeah, no, I think it would, it would be a, lo a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Berlin has obviously a reputation when it comes to cops and breakless. Have you ever been caught by the cops or, more specifically, chased by the cops? <laughs> um, yeah, I got caught from the cops <laughs> yeah. once. Um, I was super young to that time, uh, just new in fixed gear. I had my La Piovra for two weeks and I was riding at Breakless. And I was in, in the park with some friends and we had some beers. And I was riding home. I had a big bunch of weed on my back <laughs> and I got stopped from the police on the side. And uh, I was super friendly because, yeah, I had something on my back and I was like, okay, guys, what do, what's up? And there's like, come to the side. There was the bike police. And uh, I was super, super friendly. I was showing them everything and describing everything. I was like, yeah, it's my new bike. And I, I just don't have the money to buy a brake yet, but I know that's illegal and I will buy 
And uh, like after five minutes, there's like, oh, did you drunk something? And I was like, yeah, I was with my friends in the park. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. You don't seem too drunk. And I was like, okay, nice, nice. And then the guy was so weird. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm also a road biker. What kind of carbon wheels are you riding on there? Where did you bought them from? And I was like, what an asshole are you kind of? Because why are you? <laughs> yeah, whatever. And uh, then I needed to pay a ticket over 100, 150 bucks or something. And actually, the guy was like, uh, usually they leave your air out of the tire then and uh, that you don't ride anymore that day until you have a break. And he was like, oh, we don't let any air out of your tire or all of the air because your carbon rims shouldn't get destroyed while you carry your bike at home. And I was like, what? He's so <laughs> into biking, but, but he fucks me up so heavily. And uh, yeah, that was the time when I got caught once. Uh, like it's already four or five years now, now ago. Um, and then last year I was on at in the morning on the way to, to my good friend Jonah and uh, we, we uh, needed to do some stuff for university and I was like at eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the morning I was on, on the way to him and I just was I, I usually ride just side streets in Berlin because um, yeah the bike police is really lots around and they have e-bikes and really some of them are old track um, velodrome riders and they know what a fixed gear is and they say it's not possible to ride it and they wanna wanna catch you so they are really going for you and um, uh, then the what did I want to you say? You were on the way to Jonas in the morning and... Yeah, I'm just riding the small streets because of those bike cops because they always chill on big streets. And um, then I was on such a small street and behind me came a BMW and I was already looking back and saw the car and was like, okay, something is weird with that situation because they came pretty close to me and stuff. And I was like, okay, my... my uh, Alarm was already on in my head and then they passed me and I just looked in and I saw like two leather jackets and I was like, oh fuck, they're going to catch you now. And the street was like a one-way street. So there was no opportunity to escape uh, anywhere. There was always all, all, everywhere cars and stuff. Uh, and I looked back uh, to, to find a way. And when I turned back to the front, they already had their sign out, please stop on the right side. And I was, yeah, just... It was my new bike. I had it for the first day. It was the first ride that I was riding that bike, my new trick bike, the volume cutter. And I just was like, no, you don't get my bike now because they import, Im, Im, impound your bike when, uh -huh. and destroy it when they catch you the second time. And I was catched once already. So I needed to escape from them. And I was just running and they was chasing me. They put the lights on the, on, on the roof and was like in a civil car. So it was not a usual police car. And they was chasing me through all the streets and everyone was looking at me like. Just, I, just think Jason Bourne. Yeah. In, in the scene where he's, driving, where, where he's in the Mini Cooper. It was really around. crazy. Be because the people was looking and thought like he must have murdered someone or something. This chase went on for a while. And it was really going for like five minutes or something. And at one point I was like, okay, I'm done. I, I can't ride anymore. My air is going out and I'm fucking done. And I was nearly to there to stop and say, okay, guys, you got me. And then it was really like in a movie because um, on the next intersection was uh, uh, workers on the street and they blocked the whole street. And uh, the police car was like slightly in front of me and I was on the sidewalk because uh, no way that I can escape on the street. I just jumped on the sidewalk True. and was riding fast. 
and um between us was parking cars and stuff but they was a bit in front of me and came to this uh, blocked street and just stand there for for like some seconds before i swept in before them because they couldn't pass there and i could because i had my bike and it was like really like in a movie it was the the, the car was 20 centimeters away from me i could have just put my hand on the car while passing it and i just was going to some short areas and was gone and the police was like not able to do anything and i was like yes and then i came to jonah and uh, it took me like I, i was sitting there for three hours at jonah i couldn't do anything for university i was sitting there my my eyes uh was draining everything was sweating i, I was like my heart was going so heavily i was like fucking hell what just happened and uh, yeah, i just was dying after that actually But that was the reason why I repainted my volume cutter. <laughs> yeah, I, I made a video about repainting a bike, actually. And uh, we just launched the Scream Fix Berlin edition. And uh -huh. um, my, my self-painted bike was the prototype of the Fix Berlin Scream edition. And this self-painted bike just got self-painted because I nearly got caught there from the police. And I'm pretty sure that they filmed me or made photos or anything of me. Um, so I was like, okay, I just gonna repaint that bike. Then we figured out this technique to paint, and then I tried it on this bike out. Just another side note that uh, the volume cut originally was the glow in the dark, bright yellow, luminous yellow volume cutter. Oh wow! Okay, quite, yeah, uh, really, really bright and easy it to was spot. Quite, yeah, yeah, very, very easy to spot. Okay, yeah, yeah. I hope they don't find me now on the podcast here. <laughs> Probably not. Probably God. not. <laughs> yeah, well, what a story. Zero. What a chase. Yeah, yeah. Hence my questioning. <laughs> <laughs> Hence my questioning. Yeah, because we, I mean, we know you personally, but that that's the podcast is for like a wild audience and a wide audience. Sorry. And yeah, a, lot <laughs> a lot of people don't know you, so it, it's nice that you can tell all of those stories. I, I like to, to share that stuff because uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's the real stuff. It's the real shit happening here in Berlin, and it's not uh, that easy how it seems to be on, on Instagram all day. What, what would you say to someone that want to come visit Berlin with his fixed gear? If you are a tourist, uh, they will not do so much to you, but still, I would say get a break. <laughs> yeah, just put, a, put on at least one break and then they're like, they're okay with you. Because really, I need to say, if you want to make sightseeing here and want to see the city and ride the big streets, have a break. Yeah, because you're going to see the bike cops on the yeah, big streets. You're going to see them everywhere. We, we know the routes. We ride always stupid side roads, which are going in, in stupid, more longer ways than we usually need to go mm -hmm. just to be safe on, on small streets. But even there, we are not safe. Mm -hmm. But it's getting better, I think, at the moment, to be honest. There's more bike cops on the road, but they seem to be not as specifically looking for fixed gear as much anymore and they seem to be what you got stopped the other day not stopped rob was the, the oh, other yeah, day yeah, he yeah. was shooting his bike i was shooting the engine down at the um in the city in the main area in the nice area on the on the river and uh the bike was i don't know five meters in front of me leaning against the wall and uh, two bike cops just came down the hill specifically for me came down and was like um asked me if it was my bike and i said yes 
and they said, uh, are you riding the bike? I said, well, no, of course not. It's, it's got no brakes. <laughs> How could I ride a bike with no brakes? And in this kind of tone, and she went, okay, just just, just so you know, you can't ride a bike with brakes. I said, yes, no, no, it's just for displaying pictures. I'll be pushing it back on the S-Bahn. <laughs> and she went, okay, I went, thank you. And then, then they turned around, they went back up the hill, and they left. <laughs> and then I got on my bike and rode home. Yeah. It's kind of the the nice technique to do like, wait, of course I can't ride it. I mean, look at it. It doesn't have brakes on it. How would you ride a bike without brakes? It's fixed gear. What the, how, that's crazy. That's crazy. Nobody can do that on the road. What I can tell you is that it looks really nice in my living room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, that, that's the way to go. That's the way to go. Yeah. So, uh, Figzir Berlin is, I mean, it's it's a really nice entity at the moment. Berlin is quite a hard city to ride uh, with the cops, etc. If you if you don't know it, mm -hmm. uh, what do you think is the the future of Figzir Berlin? Or do you? I mean, I know it might be like in like ten years or something, but do you want to open a shop? Or do you want to just move to another city with less cops? Uh, is, I don't know, like, <laughs> is there any plans? Yeah. Big question. Big question. Big plans. The question is what is realistic, what not. Mm -hmm. um, basically, I don't want to open a shop um because uh yeah in berlin if you open a bike shop usually you get all the rusty bikes of people's after the winter and they bring them in and be like yeah can you make this shit right again and you'll be like mm, yeah i can but this is not what i want to do actually yeah. and um this is kind of the point where where i was um yeah early early on already after i had the dream to make a bike shop early i i re realized no that's not the way i want to go And um, for me personally, it would be a dream to grow the online shop and um, get lots of own products in there, like own components and uh, own stuff. That's that's a big, big dream. And also to grow our YouTube a bit more that we maybe like you guys come to the point to upload a, a video every week and then get a bit better flow in there and mm -hmm. um, have a workspace where we... Um, like like an in industrial area, a big hall or something where we can just uh, do our stuff in, have have packaging stations, office, and yeah, that would be the dream for the future of us to push the scene in there as well to to be welcoming the fixed gear riders specifically, so not not bike riders or uh, daily bike riders with their rusty bikes, more like for people who know where the place is, who know what the scene is about, and and really want to come there to to. To join that this is kind of the dream i would say i don't know yeah yeah it sounds pretty good it sounds pretty good it is Why a bit coming how it's coming yeah 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 but the main point being like i want to get more people into the scene right we are really looking forward to see that happening because when we were starting fixed gear 
here in Berlin again. Um, all brands like which existed, like Standard, Eightbar, and all of those brands, I spoke to lots of them, and they always like fixed gears dead. You don't don't need to do anything in that area. And I was like, no, guys, you guys are just dead. <laughs> and um, <laughs> then uh, yeah, we just started it and. Since last year, we see crews popping up all around Europe. I can remember a time when we was pulling out cons content every day and I didn't saw any crew in Europe existing putting out content. And now I can't even count them on my fingers anymore how many crews in, in, in every cities around Europe exist and pushing content really, really hard. And it's really, really nice to see that people are jumping on that train and, and uh, keep pushing. And we are connecting at the minute really well with lots of crews around in Germany and also in Netherlands. And we are planning to bring next year a big uh, event series back. So we will have, uh, in best case, events happening in Hamburg, Leipzig, also in the Netherlands, in Berlin. And they all count together with a, a point system so you can collect points in every city. And uh, this maybe brings people more to also join the events on other cities. And yeah, this is it, it's happening right now. And we really, really enjoy to see that. And that sounds like a good plan. Yeah, we're going to see what the future brings. Yeah. Rob, any more question you would like uh, to ask before we end the main show? No, I think I've asked everything I'd like to ask. <laughs> Every embarrassing question I could dare think of. <laughs> Just before we go on to the after show, I have a few more things to add. First being last week into the pre-show or the after show, I don't remember. After we show. talked about International Single Speed Day, which happened the 2nd of November. And they were like, yeah, we need to create like an International Fixed Gear Day because, I mean, why would there not be an International Fixed Gear Day, right? Um, someone in Discord, Gifted Order, was really clever and suggested august the 28th why because august the 28th makes 28.8 and also makes 2.88 which is the ratio of 49.17 so today i am officially declaring august the 28th international fixed gear day and it's gonna happen whether you want it or not it's gonna happen <laughs> So guys, Sick. keep it, keep yourself posted for uh, next year's August uh, the twenty eighth, and yeah, uh, and it's in it's the middle of the summer, so it couldn't be better, right? Yeah, perfect. I really, and whoever came up with that, I thought was really clever. Yeah, and it 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 confirms even more the idea that uh, forty nine seventeen is the base ratio out there. But yeah, yeah. You know that. <laughs> I wouldn't agree with that. No. <laughs> One more thing before I do the outro is next week, so episode 42 will be a FAQ episode. So if you guys want to ask any questions, then you can ask it uh, on our Instagram, either under uh, the few posts that are going to come uh, later this week or uh, directly into our DMs. Or if you are part of that prehistoric era, you can send us an email and that also works. <laughs> and let her in a ball. <laughs>
Well, guys, as always, everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog, slisbonsidey.com. Uh, you can find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes or with our Instagram at slisbonsidey. Rob is at currency.co and Matthias is at dados. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show or by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. If you get value out of the show, why not considering putting value back in, either by supporting us on Apple Podcasts with their new subscription program, or by visiting patreon.com slash podcast to join the community where pledging at any level will grant you access to the pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week. We are now at 26 Patreons, and as always, thank you so much for your support. The music for the show is Lovely Swindler by Amaria, and the illustration well, as always, is by me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Uh, Maddie, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It was a blast talking to you. And like every other guest, you are welcome back anytime you want. Um, yeah, and we're going to go on to the after show. We'll see you guys next Monday. Have a good one. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you had a good time. Thanks for inviting Paul and Rob uh, and everyone out there. Keep shredding, keep riding, keep pushing. Bye bye. bye.